0: Roshan Thunder Johnson and Nick White Lightning Romano. If you guys lose like you did, I feel like we're getting an Eastern team that has, there's no chance they're coming into this one
1: sleepwalking. Chris, if, if Idaho wins, I will donate $200, but I'll match your score difference. Deal.
2: Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me, as always, we have TJ and Brian. What's up, guys? What's up, Vandals? Uh, motor, possibly more importantly, we have a special guest. Uh, you guys actually, I think he's the title holder for outside podcast appearances. Kyler Neal from FCS Fans Nation, and more newly, the Eagle. It's just the Eagle Hour podcast, correct?
1: It's like the Eagles Power Hour, but I just pretty much call it Eagles Hour because I'm lazy.
2: Okay, I was like, I thought it was Eagles Power Hour, but you've been referring to it as Eagle Hour. So I want to make sure I I got you the proper plug there. But anyways, yeah, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with Kyler. I think he was one guest of the year last year in our end-of-the-year polling and everything like that. Plus, he's an Eastern fan, so it makes total sense to bring him on today's episode. That is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks ain't nothing like cracking a montucky cold snack an ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country the best part is when you crack a snack you're giving back montucky cold snacks donates eight percent of all profits back to local causes even right here in idaho eight percent of their profits are donated to local idaho causes supporting organizations like the cw hogs and the idaho food bank yeehaw
0: that's freaking awesome
2: Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator anglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Uh, we're actually, we got reading the Argonaut today. Nice. Well, not nice. Not nice. Uh, I know Brian and Kyler, you guys were just on the uh, Big Sky Big Takes podcast that you guys all probably just listened to yesterday. So none of this news will be news, but uh, we'll do a little news sharing. You'll do a little, little news sharing, Kyler, because I know you have some. While you guys are on the podcast, Satchel Inscolate, that guy whose name I can never pronounce, yep. entered the transfer portal on Twitter. So we're losing a backup safety. Um, reasons undisclosed. It's reported by Colton Clark and obviously Satchel's Twitter account. So uh, we're down to safety. Kyler,
1: I think you guys have a little bit of news as well. Yeah, we, we've been kind of hit with injury bug, it seems like, at Eastern Washington. You know, last year we we didn't start nine starters in the playoffs due to injuries, and it looks like that is, you know, really kind of tipping over to the second year. Um, some of our best defensive players are not going to be playing, including Chris Ojo, um, and then Centelback. Uh They're in, cr- you know, crutches and slings as a practice. Uh, Justice who is our transfer from UW? he's still not playing he's in sweats no pads at practice i don't think we're going to have about five of our typical defensive starters out you know first month, first idaho so it's, it's it may be rough
2: yeah it's uh weird to have news today like that that we've lost a, a lot of players between both of us and
0: martin's not going to be happy
2: no martin's guy. not going to be happy and I, I guess i don't have to remember his name anymore so yeah. that's <laughs> good news for all you guys out there
0: that well, we'll jump into
2: around the bar now and discuss uh our big we did take the L against Wyoming, 21-16 to down in Laramie. Um, I know, Kyler, you probably didn't see too much of this game, speaking of you had a game going on at the same time. But uh, feel free to hop in whenever you like in this discussion. Uh, but Brian, TJ, what do you guys kind of see from this game? I mean, I know a lot of people – are, are moral victories a thing? Is this what this was? Was this a moral victory for the Vandals?
0: Yeah, I, I think this game was um, an important game for every serious Vandal, and it's something that we needed. I think as, you know, looking at the schedule, it, it is an L coming up, but this is it's, it's a big game for us. We really showed up to play. We made a lot of improvements. It wasn't something that we expected, that's for sure, um, but that's what made it even better. Watching the game with you, you know, we were – Kind of unsure about how it went, and there were just so many pos- positives that came out of it. And starting with our running game, um, our O-line established the run right off the bat. Dual running backs that we have, Roshan Johnson played great, and uh, Nick Romano, which I am now currently naming, start off the pod. Thank you very much. Roshan Thunder Johnson and Nick White Lightning Romano are now dual running back threat coming at you for the rest of the season to be ready for that. Um, They look great. The O-line looked great for blocking for them. Uh, Should have been a top 10 play from DJ Lee to our tight end, number 80. Number 80. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Which is so fun to watch. But, like, the whole game was fun. Uh, Starting out 10-0 on them, running all all the way down the field, that was so great to see. Uh, We did let up some big plays. They had a really good running back. That number 7 was a good guy. But that's not to say that our defense played well or played bad. They played really well. They were fine around. Christian Ellis uh, was making plays. His cousin, um, uh, you know, secondary is playing great too. Um, a couple miscues on special teams where he let up that big punt, but that was, you know, they stepped up in big in big plays. K-Coffee, 3-for-3, three three, which was one off of TJ's hot take, just to keep shouting myself out on this rant <laughs> from previous. Yeah, this was a <laughs> disgust, not a rant. <laughs> yeah. Um. And... Uh, so positives to come, definitely to come away from this game. Um, I think it was it was a big game for every serious fan watching that this is a team, this is a program for the Big Sky, and, and we needed this. Um, Brian, I'm definitely curious. to Pick your mind with this because I know our
2: running backs, in my opinion, have been a bit of a. a you never know who's going to start. Um, I mean, we just had Carter have one of his best performances. Um, you know, taking I believe the most amount of carries against Penn State, if I recall correctly. Um, and then, no, you know, Roshan Johnson had good game against Central, but now, you know, we have Nick Romano really starting to reappear a little bit more so as a dual threat compared to the other two. Um, but I just love how we have these three running backs. And I mean, TJ kind of nailed it there with the nicknames uh, Romano being more of the speed, elusive guy, and then Roshan running people over. And then, honestly, if anything, uh, Carter's a good example of that. I mean, it really reminds me of the 2009 Bowl game uh our bowl year when we had demondre woolridge who was just the big old t-
0: bowling ball yeah <laughs> and then
2: we had Deontay jackson who was kind of our speed elusive guy um, even though he's coming off injuries and then we had princeton uh mccarty who was just kind of the perfect combo of them and it mm-hmm. kind of feels like we have the the reincarnation of those three guys um but brian i'm wondering what do you, what do you think running back wise do you think i mean what are you seeing out of these guys
3: yeah, so with the running back part, uh, Roshan was the the only rusher we had who was able to pick up yards consistently. Um, Nick Romano had a 16. Nick Romano only had three rushes, so it's it's hard to to know exactly how to weigh his performance. He did look good, no question. Um Andre Carter rushed eight times for 16 yards. He didn't really get anything going. Roshan was 15 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. That's a you know, four and a half yard average, but as long as rush was was 15, so he's a little bit more steady uh, with the running backs. I mean, you know, I think you have to take positive news away from our running backs looked against Wyoming. Um, I have mixed feelings about the offense overall uh, because I do think our, our inability to pass is going to make it hard against the better teams in the big sky, like Eastern Washington, which Kyler may get to in a little bit. Um, but, you know, Idaho has, been a pretty bad offensive team for a while, which means for us to succeed offensively, we need to chew clock um, and play the field position game. And, you know, we definitely saw that we at least have some running backs who will help us there.
2: Yeah, and I I do think, I mean, looking at this game, you know, we we led 3-0 at the end of the first quarter. At one point we were up 10-0. And then going into halftime, we were only trailed by four uh, with them scoring in the later half of the second half, uh, our second quarter there. And it was nice to kind of see Idaho still adjust a bit. I feel like in years previously this would have been where Wyoming just made adjustments, would have put it on us at the end. I did think you kind of saw us wear and tear there at the end. Um, Brian, I believe you nailed it in your power rankings where you brought up that by the end of the game, Idaho's best play was uh, Wyoming's lack of um, being able to control themselves and getting themselves in holes with silly penalties and unnecessary roughness penalties that ended up being our biggest plays was it's third and what third and 11, let's hope they tackle a guy out of bounds and we get 15 yards in the first down. Uh, and it did seem like that's kind of how it went late in the game. But that being said, I was very proud of how Idaho there at the the end of that game was able to actually somewhat put a drive together and really put themselves in winning position. Um, unfortunately, Cottrell Haywood – has one literally in his hands and drops it, but I mean, yeah. um, that that's football. But, I mean, we had the touchdown there. We still would have needed a two-point conversion. But, uh, you know, Kate Coffee put it in, a uh, field goal in. We still had time left on the clock. Unfortunately, our defense wasn't able to get a stop and get us the ball back. But still, as far as a competitive game, this was the easiest game to watch, in my opinion, since Montana State last Very year. Very enjoyable, yeah. <laughs> it was competitive all throughout. Um It even felt like – it felt, even coming out of halftime, like we still had a legitimate shot at this game, which is not something Idaho has been able to say in the last three years for most games they've been a part of that are – or at least at the D1 level.
0: Right. And I think, you know, a little bit opposite of Brian, I really thought our offense played up to its potential fully. Um, To start off the game 10-0 with that running play that that Roshan had, you know, and and drive all the way down the field – there was a couple of Jeff Cotton drops that would have put us right in place for you know a couple more points on the board. And I, I think it was just really amazing what we put together. And it was a different Mason Petrino, I think, that I've ever seen before. Confidence-wise and just grit-wise, he, I mean, that guy wasn't giving up. And that, and that was good to see from his end, from the quarterback end. But as far as that offense goes, that was cool to watch him drive down the field. I'm, I mean, the offense was still terrible. I mean, was it though? Yes. We started
3: out. 10-7. Dude, the offense is garbage. There's yeah. there's no way around it. And this, I'd love to hear Kyler's take on this. But like, you know what, TJ, I had the same feeling during the game initially because Mason Petrino, to his credit, he did make a couple intermediate passes. Right. It's important to remember those intermediate passes for most quarterbacks we just call that a pass right. and we don't make it a big deal that he completed one for more than 7 yards <laughs> uh, but if you look through the game the reason those passes went away is because he has to have a goddamn hour mm-hmm. to be able to have both his feet set to deliver those passes what and by the way out, if he gets it yeah. yes he he did complete a couple of his passes but like if you're Eric Berry, again like a 15 yard pass what we call that is a completion. We don't we don't spend time talking about how great you looked. And overall, his line was 15 to 33. That's sub 50 percent completion. Uh, he didn't find the end zone. Although that Kratryl Hay Haywood play, he caught it and took two steps. That should have mm-hmm. been a touchdown, totally. which Petrina would have got credit for because he did make a good throw there, of course. Um, but I mean, our offense still. The reason we compete against Wyoming is because they're kind of the FBS version <laughs> of Montana State. They they just cannot throw the ball. Um, and Idaho against teams that can't move the ball through the air. Uh, th- those are good teams like that. Those are the teams that we can stay competitive with. That's why I highlighted Weber State earlier as really a toss-up game that I think a lot of people probably didn't think of a toss-up.
2: Yeah, because it's both going to be defensive. That's going to be a lot like – I mean, you just touched on it again. It's going to be a lot like Montana State last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't give up 86-yard scrambles by a linebacker. You know, that game we win in very low scoring, what I believe would have been 24-7. Or 23-17, sorry. Um, but either way, it was a very close game where we were a couple losses of Troy Anderson. And <laughs> luckily for us, um, they kind of have a guy similar, Weber State does, and Josh Davis. But, I mean, it, that's, that is going to be a more competitive game. But, yeah, Wyoming was just – their offense was equally abysmal. Their quarterback went 4-for-12 for only 50 yards. The only reason they started beating us there at the end was they got the running game. back going, yeah. which is what put the game away
1: in the final seven minutes there. But. So, so so, I have a couple questions because I actually didn't get to see most of the game. Um, you know, and all I can do is really base it off the stat line. And, and for one thing I got to say is from the stats point of view, you know, playing in Laramie is not easy. You know, it's 7,200 feet up in elevation. And it looks like Idaho's defense actually played well. Would you attribute Idaho's defense to stopping maybe Wyoming's offense? Because this is – you held them to a season low so far. And they played, you know, an SEC school and then a – um, what is it, Conference USA probably, um, you guys held them to a season low. Would you attribute that to Idaho's defense or Wyoming's offense kind of just shit in the bed?
2: I mean, like I've said, I think our front seven is a pretty good crew. Um, the problem with that being uh, I we're very lacking on, on sacks, um, and then also causing turnovers, including interceptions. Um, we don't have a single pick yet this year, and as you saw with Central Washington, which <laughs> – I can't wait till we start previewing Eastern, um, but it, it's even obvious from games last year. We Teams that can throw the ball are going to dismantle us, like an Idaho State and Eastern or UC Davis. This year it, doesn't, it looks like it might be a little better because um, we did play well with Penn State for probably the first three possessions on defense, and then they really started to roll us, as we all know, 79-7. I do think our defense did a good job of getting to them and getting to them early for sure. They really put Wyoming on the back heel early, which then led Wyoming to probably get away from their plan of just throwing the ball. But then a couple bounces to go their way. They realize they're in the game. They get back to running. Our front seven eventually gets worn down just by bigger dudes or having to be on the field the whole time. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we, we, their quarterback didn't do anything to make me assume it was because we were doing anything special, I guess how I would answer that. But Brian probably also has okay. a different takeaway.
3: No, man, I'm, I'm similar. You know, if you look – First, we got probably Wyoming's worst shot. You know, they missed their their kicker was all Mountain West last season, and he missed two not particularly long field goals. And they're either both in the first quarter or is in the first quarter, early second quarter. Um, And also Wyoming kept our offense on the field with I think it was about five personal fouls, Uh, most of which I mean, obviously, a personal foul is a automatic first down. But a few of those came on like third and long. Where like we we were gonna punt and it was just done um, and Wyoming gave us a second shot, um, but the the thing I'll give us credit for is we did uh, you know Idaho's much better set up to stop t- we're this like the way we were last year too we're much better better um, oriented right now to stop teams that rush and Wyoming you know we relatively speaking we did okay containing them there, um, but we haven't shown the ability to get to anyone's quarterback I think we have two sacks on the whole season. And we forced one turnover so far in three games. And if we're going to beat good teams in the big sky, and, you know, we haven't talked about on this show yet, but there's seven teams who aren't Idaho who reasonably have playoff aspirations at this point. Uh, If we're going to be able to beat those teams, we're going to have to force turnovers because this team just cannot score the ball uh, the way, like, you know, they would need to otherwise. Yeah.
2: And I will say, um, because we'll probably just take final takeaways and move on here from after this, because it was a really good performance, but to, to the two missed field goal point, yeah, it did obviously really put Wyoming in the back seat. But I mean, they were from forty six and forty nine. I know it's Laramie, so you're supposed to be able to kick it from there. But that that's a reasonably far kick for most college mm-hmm. kickers. Like we said, he is not most. He um, is one of the better ones. But uh, it's not like they missed twenty six and thirty yard field goals. They were they're a bit of distance, but. Yeah, I mean, still, yeah, you add that on and this game's not as pretty. It's still better. It still covers the spread. We still would be happy about it. Um, but this was definitely a very good win. Um, so I guess from you guys, I want to know your 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 big takeaway from the game and then moral victories. Is, is this what this is? Do they exist in sport? And then we'll carry it in. Does this do anything for us heading into Eastern?
0: Yeah, I, I think if this is the new look, Vandals, if this is what we're going with moving forward, it's – Definitely something to get excited about. I think it was a, it was a new, more demeanor, confidence, on um, both offense and defense. And if we were talking about gameplay itself, you know, eating that clock, for example, we were looking at what the Eastern game started an hour before us, and by the time that Eastern finished that first half, we were done with the first half as well. So if that's what we're trying to do is eat up clock and make that a short game and, and make it close scoring, you know, we're definitely doing that. That's what we're doing the last – couple games is trying to eat up that clock. I think this was a new look Vandal team. um, Just confidence coming, coming out wise. And this, it was something to get excited about. So this made me feel a lot better about Vandal football for this year. Um, But yeah, that's me moving forward. Yeah. And then I'll back on with you.
2: I don't normally believe in moral victories in Mm -hmm. sport, uh, but if there was one for Idaho, this was it just in the fact that we know from our group of friends, the same people that were, you know, not watching Penn state or turned it off and, Super sending us texts about, oh, my God, I can't believe we're losing. They actually tuned in, and when they found out this game was close at halftime. So if there's anything from that, you got people that were actively writing you off weeks prior actually tuning in to the second half of this game and actually going, wow. So I think that paired with the fact that you had the SC Top 10 nomination that got a lot of traction. I think it ended up getting over, like, 25,000 views between the three people or places that it was posted. So, I mean, that alone, that's 20,000 eyeballs that saw – you know, a freshman for Idaho and probably what they think will her wide receiver be a quarterback yeah. through a beautiful 26-yard <laughs> prayer. Um, but in that case, it gives us maybe enough to where it helps people tune back in. If we can do anything competitive against Eastern, we can build on it for sure. Um, but right now, I think just the fact that we got the, a little bit of ESPN, some people that had written us off actually going, holy crap, they did compete against an FBS team. Might have brought enough people back. Now, as long as we're remotely competitive in the middle of the schedule, people will actually stay tuned for the whole season, if not all of it. Brian, do you have anything different?
3: I'll say no question we looked the best in this game. I mean, Portland – sorry, Penn State was embarrassing. Um, and Central Washington was, was the most uninspiring win I have seen in the history of, of me watching sports. Um, so us looking – us traveling to a solid Mountain West team, I, I don't think – Wyoming's as good right now as maybe they they were hyped after their t- their first two wins. You know they killed Texas State, but Texas State's a bad Sun Belt team. Um, I don't think Wyoming's as good is going to finish the year as good as the, as people feel like they are right now. But it was important for us to at least have a strong showing because I didn't think we'd have one yet, and we did have a strong showing on defense. Uh, this is just how our offense is going to be. Last year we didn't we did not score more than 31 points against a Division One team. Um, I think we'll see something similar to that, which means our defense just has to be good. And uh, we did see that there are ways where this defense is probably better than it was last year.
2: All right. Well, those are kind of our takeaways. I guess the one last one that TJ was trying to murmur at me the whole time. We love that broadcast guy. I don't don't remember his name. Maybe we'll throw it down in the description. Uh, But he was was very – you never put him on the Saturday night broadcast, but he was very entertaining compared to most ESPN3 and ESPN Plus broadcasters. If you so, had
0: a chance to listen to him, he was he, a Vandal homer in the way field. It was awesome. Yeah, it mm. was. Uh, mm. he was loving us. Mm. That was great. Um, but moving on, we have number
2: 18, Eastern Washington. Um, coming to the Kibbe Dome, for those of you that know, you should know, Eastern Washington plays their games when they're at home in Cheney, Washington, on the Inferno there of Ruse Field. Um, They are the Eagles. They are in the Big Sky Conference. They're a surprising kind of, I mean, depending on who you're talking to, one and two um, coming into this game. But those two losses are obviously against a top 25 FCS squad in a difficult place to play down in the south of Jacksonville State and having to play a Husky team um, without a lightning two-hour delay Um, and then obviously a win over Lindenwood. So now they're coming to the Kibbe Dome. This is actually a non-conference matchup. Even though they are in the big sky and we're in the big sky, we both had an opening and we got this done. And uh, I know uh, Tubbs at the Club and Eagle Hour uh, both take a lot of pride in believing that we did it, but it was probably on the books anyways. Yeah, what What? What should we go expect coming into this game? And then maybe we'll have, for those of you that don't maybe listen to Kyler's podcast, but you plan on doing it now, Kyler, maybe explain to them what happened so they can have a little idea of what eastern's mindset might be coming into this game because i think it's a little bit different than had they won last week
1: yeah I, I would say you know for those of you who maybe didn't follow eastern this last week or know exactly what happened we went down to a top 15 team jacksonville state on the road you know they play in alabama it's hot it's humid they had one of their most humid days and we put a beating on them in the very first half it was what we had the lead twenty twenty eight 28 to 7 Um, everything we were doing we were showing that we were the more dominant team we just looked better overall and then as the game went on we started falling apart Um, we had players seemed like every other play cramping falling down with injury and now we know it's you know some of those injuries were a little more than just cramping they were actual injuries Um, but Jacksonville State has some of the most talented wide receivers in the FCS. Most of them are P5 transfers. A couple of them were actually starters at programs like Notre Dame, and then they transferred down to Jacksonville State. Their quarterback is you know, 6'5", 230. He is a Clemson transfer who basically just went to Jacksonville State because of, um, what is it, Trevor Lawrence <laughs> as a yeah. freshman got the job. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go play. So they have tons of talent, and I knew going into the game it would be a mismatch but i thought we could still pull it out but jacksonville state had a lot of fire they kept fighting and eastern washington at the very end of the game gave up in the fourth quarter we gave up a 17 point lead and jacksonville state ended up winning 49 to 45 after scoring 21 points it was a pathetic fourth quarter performance and i don't know if that's a good good thing for idaho Last time you guys played Eastern Washington, we were coming off a pathetic loss to Weber state where all of us said, wow, we didn't play our best. Now this happened. I think you guys are going to get a really pissed off Eastern Washington team.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was. I mean, you and I obviously messaged about this a little bit beforehand, but I was like, yeah, cause I, you know, on FCS fans nation, which is the Facebook group that Kyler helps uh, moderate and run. Um, Uh, ironically, you know, when a big fan base is like Jacksonville State and Eastern come up, there's going to be a little smack talk before and especially after the game and a little bit of gloating. uh, I was accused of a little bit of thinking people thought I was rooting for Jacksonville State, but uh, I'm a gambler, and I have my rooting interest with my money, and I did not have Jacksonville State covering the spread. Plus, you know, I'm rooting for the Big Sky in every out-of-conference game possible because I really think we have a shot of getting five to six playoff wins. So, yeah, I was – not happy about that but I literally told Kyler I was like I definitely was rooting for you guys to win because if you guys lose like you did I feel like we're getting an eastern team that has there's no chance they're coming into this one sleepwalking like maybe they beat Jacksonville State they kind of overlook Idaho and get prepped for a conference since it's non-conference get prepped for the conference schedule going forward but now we don't we don't have that luxury we're we're coming off a, a little bit of an eye-opening performance for a little bit of the league where they're at least going, okay, maybe they're not the 12th worst team. Maybe they're the 10th worst team. And now we've got a team who's arguably probably the best team who's getting a little bit of shade thrown their way right now going, yeah, we're going to try to make that statement that we're still the best team in the league.
1: So. Well, well I, I'll say, you know, watching this game, and I know you watched it, Chris, maybe someone else did, and maybe your take is different than mine. This is one of the few games that you watch and you watch it all the way through, and then you look at the stat lines, and the whole time you're going, "Wow, the better team did not win mm-hmm. this week. Eastern Washington dominated them on, you know, rushing, on passing, on receiving, on time of possession. Um, it, you know, it looked the, like
0: it too, watching the game. It looked like yeah, they, had...
1: they looked a hundred percent like the better team, mm-hmm. besides maybe five minutes of the game. Um, so it, it was, it's weird. Now I, I do want to say. I got to attribute that to Jacksonville State's fire and heart. They seem to have a lot more heart than Eastern Washington did. And maybe that's because Eastern Washington is a little spoiled this year. Um, You know, coming off a national title game, maybe we thought we deserved more than we really, you know, have. And now I think it's kind of a good thing. Maybe losses are a good thing. 2010, we got spanked by Montana State in the beginning of the season. And then we came back and won every single game since. Sometimes losses is a good thing, and and it kind of sparks that fire that a team is missing or needs. But, but yeah, I watched that game, and I was like, wow, Eastern Washington actually looked like the better team 95% of the game, but they still ended up losing.
2: Yeah, and, you know, most of our fan base can understand the what goes into making a performance like that where you're going into the South and— it's not easy to travel there. I'm I'm not exactly sure where Jacksonville, Alabama is, but I'm sure it doesn't have an airport. I'm sure they had to go to Montgomery or uh, Mobile Birmingham. or somewhere. And I if, think
1: Atlanta or something. Yeah, and then
2: <laughs> and then take a bus in. Um, I mean, we know one of our friends who was on the team when we played Arkansas, when we were in the Sun Belt, said Arkansas State was the worst place to go to. It was so hard to get to, and then Jonesboro is annoying, so like just – ugly and he goes it was the worst place like by the time we landed we're like i just want to get out of here they we had no idea we did not care about the game so obviously different when you're playing a top 25 team like that and um and you know a, a solidified program in the fcs but that makes it even tougher because not only are you going to somewhere difficult to play kind of out there and hard to get to but you've got a team that can actually look you between the eyes and play with you for a little bit coming in to hit
1: you I mean, I, I don't have any excuses because even though maybe it is a tough place to get to for Eastern Washington, we came out guns blazing and swinging, mm-hmm. and we totally crapped all over them in the beginning. So it's not like, you know, maybe we started slow because we had so many adversities going against us. It was actually the opposite. We we were dominating them in the beginning, and then it seems like we just lost a little bit of heart. Now all of our players were exhausted That you know maybe the conditioning wasn't there. I didn't see us really putting any IVs in our players. I would have loved to see because it is hot, it is humid. I would have loved us to see, hey, put in our backups for one drive. Maybe let Jacksonville State score, or maybe you know, us punt. Let's let's stall the clock. Let's put some IVs in our starters or at least half of them, so then it can last the whole quarter. I didn't see that once, and I thought that was really bad strategy. And I think that could have been a difference maker, but. All in all, guess what? We lost. It doesn't matter. It's one game, and it doesn't really solidify the rest of the season. But it was still a good loss, you know, on the road versus top now 10 team in the stats poll. So it's not like it's a bad loss on paper.
2: Yeah. Well, now you get the the luxury of coming to the temperature-controlled Kibbe Dome. Um, so hopefully the cramping issues won't be an issue for you guys this this week. Um, But I'm just kind of curious on your point of view. So for people that aren't super familiar with Eastern, because, I mean, a lot of your games have been like ours. They haven't been the easiest to watch. If you don't have the Big Ten Network, you didn't watch Penn State. If you don't have the Pac-12 Network, which, like, nobody does, then you didn't get to watch the UW game for you guys. And then um, Pluto is – it's such a great streaming service. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um,
1: I got to say, for Eastern Washington's Pluto, I'd say we have one of the better streaming services, and I don't know why that is. Because um, I try and watch a lot of big sky games. Like UC Davis is awful. Their yes. stream does yes. not work most of the it's time. The worst. I've never had a problem with Easterns, at least the last year. Uh, but I mean, I, I, luckily, I've been able to watch every Eastern game so far this year. Yeah. I can answer that
3: question for you about the Pluto Eastern stream. A ton of the Eastern games are carried by SWX and Spokane. Mm-hmm. So their broadcast is commercial quality. Yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. That, that, makes, that makes that makes more
1: sense because I'm like, man, our Pluto stream is way better than everyone else's. Yeah.
3: Yeah, dude. That's the reason why it feels that way is because it is. Um, SWX carries a ton of the Montana games, um, in you know, in the state of Montana, but in like the Coeur d'Alene and Spokane area, the only games it has the rights for is Eastern. Um, so if it if it's not carrying an Idaho game, which it does every once in a while, it's carrying an Eastern game.
0: Well, well, we don't have to worry yeah, about.
2: Yeah, the, the. good news is we got Root Sports no this week. No worries about that this week. Which is another channel mm-hmm. that is incredibly hard to find. But I did find this year; they finally have gotten with the times, and Root Sports has an app. You still have to have a TV provider that. <laughs> Man, you bugged <laughs> oh, them long enough. Well, oh, it, it doesn't matter because
1: they. So I can watch it this week, yep, guys. Mm-hmm. Root Sports
2: has an app. Um, your only issue is, Kyler, uh, who's your TV provider? I'm guessing it's— uh,
1: Don't worry about it. I got logins for days. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: then you'll be fine. Yes, you can watch it. Although, what 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 are you looking to watch? What should Vandal fans be most concerned about, in, in your opinion, for the Eagles coming in? I mean, I know who I would pick. Uh, well, actually, there's a lot to pick from, but um, if you are a basic Vandal fan— who are the guys who are going to pop off the page in the matchups that we should be worried about?
1: So so the three people who you're going to need to really keep an eye out for is Eric Barrier, who he's on pace right now to have over a 4,000-yard season, over 44 touchdowns. He's on, he's on pace to just literally be a Walter Payton Award finalist. Um, it's going to be one of the better seasons, it seems like, on paper, on how he's starting off. Um, then really most of the Walter Payton award win- winners have had the last five years. Um, so he's going to be a player to watch. He's the quarterback Antoine Custer. Um, he had a big game in Jacksonville state and we actually relied on him a lot more than we normally do. He had 28 carries just shy of 200 yards. Um, and that's the good news for us because right now we're actually down to running backs. Um, Dennis Merritt, he broke his tibia and fibula at the Lindenwood game. And then Tameric Pierce has not suited up yet. He's a, he was our third running back. They were all in the system last year in the championship game. Um, so right now we're really running on Antoine Custer and then a couple freshmen and then some wide receivers who are quick. They're they're kind of relaying some of that too. But then for the receiving core, I mean, take your pick. I would say Andrew Boston is definitely the our number one target, our number one threat. But in the receiving core, we have tons, and Eric Berry can get him to kind of whoever he wants.
2: Yeah, and so I guess we'll we'll all kind of touch on this because we are a Vandal podcast, so we got to kind of cover what what it might take for Idaho to pull out the win here. Um, We'll get to it later. They're not favored um, to win. Most predictions have them losing, but, you know, any given Saturday, somebody can win. Uh, I mean, nobody thought Portland State had a shot against Montana last year. Different beast for sure but in a perfect world what what's going to have to happen for Idaho to be able to to pull this one out
1: so so here's the thing Idaho definitely can win um I know that sounds weird coming from me and I'm actually being sincere about it I'm not just you know trying to get you guys more likes and subscribers eastern washington's defense is very young and inexperienced especially the defensive backs so good news is I know Mason Petrino can't throw over seven yards. He doesn't have to. If you, if you incorporate a lot of slants and screens in there, you guys are going to take advantage of our DBs. Um, Jacksonville State did it perfectly, and they continue to keep doing it. And also, I, Mason's actually a pretty athletic kid. Um, we, we were not covering Zarek Cooper well. We did not put a spy on him. The whole game, even when he started at the fourth quarter, he was running 10 yards of a play, 15 yards of play, and we still didn't put a spy. And now we have half of our defense injured, half of our better defensive players injured. There's actually an opportunity for Idaho to really score some points. And maybe this will be the game where Idaho can score over 30 points because I'm not sold on Eastern Washington's defense. Now, do I think Idaho State, I mean, Idaho can stop Eastern Washington's offense? I'm going to, I'm going to say, No, (laughs) but this you could potentially make this into a shootout just by doing slants and screens, which is perfect for a guy like Mason Petrino who does not have a big arm.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to have to be I kind of agree with you there. I I wish obviously I never wish injuries upon people, but I kind of wish like Boston and Dorton and those guys are the guys that were out or you were thin at, at wide receiver because I think our defensive front. I know it doesn't show against Wyoming, I think they're a lot better served to stop a running team, as we've already covered, where Eric Barrier is not only going to be able to beat you with the ball, like throwing the ball, but let's say we start rushing only three and dropping um, eight back into coverage, then we're still screwed because <laughs> Barrier can take off on you. Um, and yeah, we have luckily we have some athletic linebackers with Christian Ellis, um, but even Christian Ellis, uh, Trey Walker had a great game last week, but Trey Walker's a big guy. He's not going to be tracking down Barrier, I don't think, if Barrier decides he wants to tuck one and run. Um,
1: yeah, we we don't have a lot of size on our offensive playmakers. We rely a lot on speed, and we really have all decade. Um, good news is you probably don't have to worry about Dorton too much. He's our fourth string wide receiver. You know, he'll, he'll get plays when people go out. The only reason why he got, you know, that big game against Linden was because Andrew Boston didn't even suit up. So, I mean, I guess that's good and bad news because if he's our 4 string receiver and he set, you know, an Eastern Washington record, then that means our other receivers are just as good, if not better. So maybe, maybe that's not good news for you guys. Um, but yeah, you're, you're definitely going to have to give us a little bit of cushion, but not too much cushion because um, we're not that big on receiving. We're not that big on running back. If you guys play a little more physical with us, but still respect our speed you guys definitely have a chance
2: yeah I mean I, I'm kind of curious what Brian and TJ had to think about this I mean obviously I think it's going to come down to a a bit of our running backs but uh, I'm wondering what do you guys what do you guys think TJ do you want to start?
0: Well, yeah. I'd just like to start out by saying th- thank you, Kyler. I don't. We didn't deserve that much praise from how we've been playing this season. I don't know what karma you got going on, or you know what. Well, what...
1: I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not picking you guys to win. I'm just saying it's possible.
0: That's <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll take that. Um, I think a lot of it depends mainly on. Which Idaho team is going to show up this week?
2: What, the one from like 1996?
0: Right. The one from 2000. Exactly. I mean, what I was going to compare was the team that showed up against Wyoming against the, all the teams that we showed up against last year, minus, you know, Montana State in a couple of those games. Uh, but just mainly, what level are we going to play at? Are we going to let them walk into the dome and just lay down in front of them? Is this going to be one of these things where they score first and we just get the wind knocked out of us the whole game? Or even if they do score first, are we going to come back and fight back with them or are we going to go up by 10 and see what we can make out of it? I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And a lot of this is just going to come down to, you know, confidence of, of not only you – know it's not always the X's and O's. It's sometimes the Jimmy and Joe's that come out of it. this uh, Jeff Quote right there, or there Jeff, Jeff Cho. There we go. And uh, – <laughs> What Mesa Petrino are we going to get? Uh, what Christian Ellis are we going to get? What type of plays are we going to run? And that's gonna, what's going to come down to whether it's going to make it close or a blowout for the Vandals is how we look just stepping into the Kibby Dome ready to play on Saturday.
3: So I think there's a couple stats worth looking at um, when we're comparing these two. Eric Berrier by himself has accounted for 1,041 yards this season. The number's probably higher because, in, you know, in college football, we subtract yards for sacks, and he's been sacked 10 times this year. But counting that, he's accounted for 1,041 yards. Idaho's total offense, every single thing combined, is 946 yards.
1: That's pretty good.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we're – yeah, yes, every <laughs> facet of our team is only 100 yards behind your quarterback who's been sacked 10 times. Um, another stat, our – Idaho, we've already talked about this. Idaho is a run dominant team. Right now, we're averaging 125 yards a game. Eastern, who is their offense is, you know, pretty balanced. We just talked about how Barry is just, you know, killing everyone. Eastern rushes for 161 yards a game, which the thing they're not known for, they do better than us. Uh, You know, the big the concern for Idaho, is this has to be an ugly game they have to find a way to, they have to hope Eric Berry can have some of the accuracy issues. Yeah. in the second half against Jacksonville state, Idaho's going to have to force turnovers, which we haven't done yet. Uh, because if we get down against Eastern, you know, we we've seen what this team looks like when, the, when we have to press offensively, because we just do not have the ability to do that. We don't have the quarterback to do that. We don't have the, um, we don't have a dynamic enough offense to get down. Uh, so for us to stay close, our defense is going to have to get some points, and we're going to have to have to make life difficult for, for Eric Berrier specifically. He has been sacked 10 times. That means he's vulnerable, but we haven't got to the quarterback yet this year at all.
2: Yeah, this game is – I'm so on board with pretty much what you guys have said. It's, Idaho's going to have to score first. I think it's it's necessary. I think they – hopefully I, – I don't know. Do we come out on defense first and try to stop them? Um, or do we tr- like we did against Wyoming um, and Penn State, but it, like do we? I just think we need to get the ball in the end zone, or at least a field goal or something, and then we're just gonna need lucky bounces. We're gonna have to do what we had against Wyoming, but finish, and that's make them feel like their heels are being dug in, and they they're just wearing blows body blows the whole rest of the game after we're up ten zero. It was Wyoming was just like. How are we going to get back in this? Now they figured it out. We can't pass, but we can sure as heck run on them. I think if we do that, maybe actually get some fumbles, maybe get a pick when they do try to throw it because they do have Barrier. They're not going to commit to the run like Wyoming did because Wyoming's quarterback, honestly, Eric Barrier would start leaps and bounds over Wyoming's quarterback at at Wyoming. So luckily we don't have to worry about that. So we're going to have to play our best defensive game in the backfield which we haven't, we don't know what those guys look like. I mean, Central did a pretty good job of beating them. So did Penn State, but they were supposed to be better. And obviously I think this game would have been a great game for Satchel to be included in because we might need some of that hybrid safety help um, that he added the ability of kind of filling in for Ty Graham, who's now over in Cheney. He won't be playing due to transfer rules. But um, I just think it's going to come down to we're going to have to get the first ball in the end zone and a couple lucky bounces. But, I mean, that's why they're called lucky bounces. Kyler, do you have any other further takeaways on this game before we move in the score predictions? Or are you ready to predict some yeah.
1: scores? Yeah, so, so one thing I do think you guys should do is try and get the ball first because, like I said, Eastern Washington's defense has been pretty susceptible. Now, we've started off really good in each game, but now with some of the injuries, you might be able to take advantage of it. So I say if you guys do get the opportunity, get the ball first. And what you guys want to do, talk to Petrino about this. <laughs> You're going to want to do a play action with Jeff Cotton just running straight. Now, let Mason Petrino, I know he can't throw very far, just give him one opportunity to bomb it, because my guess is our DBs will not be ready, and maybe there's that 50-50 chance you guys can actually make a throw over you know, 35 yards, 40 yards. But I think that would catch us off guard, and I do think you have a really good opportunity to score first, especially with our really young and inexperienced DBs, and a couple of them are now injured.
2: All right, so Kyler nailed it there first. First play of the game, bootleg by Colton or Mason. Well, the Coltons mm, out to the right, then do a pass back to DJ Lee, who's then going to throw 40 it. yards to Hayden Hatton. You got Paul Petrino's <laughs> number, right? <laughs> no, he, 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 he didn't want yeah, to give it, it to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, score predictions. Um, for those Eastern fans, because this would be a great time to bring it up, they were probably like, Eastern is not number 18, you idiot. Uh, we actually use the versus sports simulator app that I'm sure you guys know all about from listening to Eagle Hour. Um, we, we realized there's a lot of flaws in the ranking because it's a computer ranking, um, but that's who we're using. So that's, that's who we pick. That's why Eastern's a little a little lower than the, or I guess higher in the ranking, lower in the ranking.
1: Yes, Steve Pugh says his stuff. I mean, it's if you're doing analytical tools, it's still more accurate than ESPN or Sagarin right now. But he says his stuff really isn't that accurate until you know week eight, and that's when his rankings really, really come into play. yeah,
2: and it's starting to see every week. But uh, they'll notice that later when we get to the pick em thing, and like we have a bunch of teams that you're like, wait, they're what number now? Um, but anyway, so yeah, the versus sports simulator has Idaho losing twenty seven to forty four at home against uh, the Eastern Washington Eagles. Kyler Neal, I feel like you're going to be a, a great one to lead off this score prediction.
1: Um, So originally, I was actually thinking it was going to be closer to 48 to 21. Um, that was before some of the injuries that just really took place because it, it's really some of our best defensive players. And you guys actually might be able to control the line of scrimmage now, which is, is kind of nerve-wracking. I don't think... You, idaho wins because i don't think you guys can stop our offense but i do think you'll have some opportunities to score so i'm actually going to say 44 28 um eastern washington
0: tj you're usually uh somewhere close Mm, yeah since it was said on the idaho vandals season preview i'm gonna stick with me and yours pick christopher and we're going with the vandal win this weekend 27 uh, 21 against directional Washington. I mean, uh, Central. I mean, Eastern Washington. The Vandals are going to beat them 27 21. You've been waiting all year to use that. Let's I go, Kyler. Been... Glad uh, you're on.
1: I, I see how it is. <laughs>
2: Got to get the. Oh, is. by the way, this is a rivalry. Have we brought that up yet? Yeah. At least for us, it feels like <laughs> yeah. our hey, biggest rival. You,
1: you know what, TJ? I'll give you that. Just because I think Central Washington is harder to get into than Eastern. Oh, <laughs> oh
2: that is. I would. To be fair, I don't like
0: either Cheney or Ellensburg, but I would definitely rather be in Cheney. Maybe they played a closer game against the Vandals. We'll find out. I,
1: yeah, I only applied to two schools, and I was like all right, I am not going to Central Washington because I got into both. And I was like, I'm going to Eastern. I've never yeah. even heard of them, but I'm going. Yeah.
2: Um, so I did change my pick for those of you listening to Big Sky Big Takes uh, last week on the Big Sky Big Takes. Obviously, that was pre-Wyoming. Um, but I'm also still a believer that though the Wyoming game was a great performance, it might be our best performance. In, in that case, I just don't think Idaho is going to be able. To, luckily, we have the defensive starters out. Um. I think we're going to maybe lose this one. Gosh, 45-20. Um, but I do think this might be a game where maybe it's competitive at halftime, unlike last year's game uh where I did not go back in after halftime. So maybe
1: Yeah, that was that was 35-0 at half and then we just stopped playing.
2: Yeah, and then it, it kind of looked more respectable cuz <laughs> I think it ended up 38-13. Um, but Yeah, it was
1: something like that. Yeah, but
2: yeah, I think this year maybe it's more like ten to seventeen at halftime. Um, and you're like, Holy crap, we might pull this off and then it's close enough until like the very end that you stay into it. Kinda like Montana was. Like it seems like for every time they scored two touchdowns, we scored one, so it was enough to get you to go back in. Um, I, I could see it being like that. Brian, Mr has T J calls you Vegas Brian, what what we got here? Oh, and I should mention the spread on this game opened at seven. Don't know how that was or seven, seven and a half. It's up to nine and a half by now. Um, this is being recorded Tuesday night. So Vegas has us actually being rather competitive in this game. Brian, Vegas, Brian, is Vegas close or is
3: Vegas, Brian, right? Oh, Christ, dude. Vegas is not close. Uh, <laughs> yes. When I saw it was a 6.5 line, I, was, I really considered running to the bank and seeing what kind of line of credit I could get yeah, in the to next ask, two minutes. I want to ask for Rory's condo and so, be like, can I place like, your condo bet on this? <laughs> The Idaho defense is better than it was last year, but like the, the gap between Idaho's offense and Eastern's offense, it's not a minor difference. There's an order of like 12 magnitude between Idaho and Eastern. Now, Eric Berrier himself has a count for 12 touchdowns this year. Idaho's whole team has seven touchdowns. Right now in passing yards, Jalen Hamler from Cal Poly is averaging more passing yards per game than Mason Petrino. Cal Poly runs a triple option he passes like nine times a game. Um Ouch. the the Idaho offense is it's not your eyes aren't deceiving you it's bad. Um, our defense does look a lot better, but I don't think we can put up enough points. I think it's going to be about forty five to seventeen.
2: Okay, uh, well there you go there. There are our score predictions. Uh, we ate crow a little bit last week. We all had blowouts, so hopefully we all eat crow. Well, Kyler won't want to eat crow, but. Hopefully the rest of us eat crow and we do well, except TJ too. So mm-hmm. either way, somebody's gonna eat crow. Either TJ will be doing it by himself, or there'll be three of us doing it. Um, corner stool takes, and I'm mixing it up this week. We usually keep them game focused. I just want to rant about some basic things that I'm very upset with. So I'm actually gonna switch me to last Kyler. Sorry, um, but they can be game related or they can be vandal Big Sky related. Uh, I guess we're gonna keep it in that sphere. It can't be. Like, you're upset about your IKEA furniture. Um, Brian, lead us off with some corner stool takes.
3: I'm so glad we've opened this up because I hate making game predictions. Right, um, that's all
2: it came down to. And I was like, that's not doing it. And I have other things I like to rant about. Thank God. Producer um, Jerry won't let us ever win a BSPT again, so we're going to have to
3: do them here. Yeah, dude, Producer Jerry can go to hell. Um, the
1: champ is here.
3: <laughs> yeah. We. We can't talk about how you got that. Welcome to the show, The explicit mon- that explicit button coming up on the podcast, <laughs> but um, okay. Look, 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 my corner stool take. My my relationship with being a Vandal fan is so is so damn frustrating because I watch our defense that does look a lot better than it did last year, and our offense we're averaging three more points a game than Weber State. Weber State threw up zero in their season opener against san diego state and then put up 13 um, against nevada those are two fbs teams Um, and and idaho's averaging 21 points a game we are pissing away what looks like a pretty strong offense and i think we're going to keep pissing away sorry a pretty strong defense and i think we're going to keep pissing away a pretty strong defense uh with the with the the way our offense has been purposefully engineered uh which is frustrating because there's real talent on this Vandal team. That is not being capitalized. I hope they prove me wrong. I always want the pl- want the players to do as well as they possibly can. I-, I just don't think that I just don't think they're gonna do it, and it, it kills me because we do have some talent.
0: TJ, well, since since uh, we're changing it up a little bit, I will start with my game one that I had ready, okay. and then I will go with the one after. Uh, Nick Romano, twenty yard screen touchdown run pass. One play. Hot take, teach. Look out for that. Um, Second cornerstool take, uh, I will go undefeated in the Big Sky Pick'em this week. To tie you guys, whatever you guys get wrong. That's a hot take. There we go. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Oh, man.
1: Uh, Kyler, you're
2: usually pretty good at stuff like this, and you're the king of facts. Uh, Hit us with some, I guess, can there be facts in a a cornerstool take? I guess we'll know.
1: I mean... This will end up being a fact, but it's not a fact right now. I guess that um, is what, it,
2: yeah, that is what it is. You're proving <laughs> something to be a future fact.
1: <laughs> Eric Barriere continues to build his Walter Payton resume as he throws for four touchdowns and rushes for one.
2: Uh, my corner school <laughs> corner stool take vandal social media. How is it that tubs at the club and bar stool sports have to make the sports Center top ten nominations that get recognized? Where is Vandal Football tweeting this stuff, or the U of I Vandals? Even
1: even Eagles Power Hour tweeted it. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. And, like, I'm looking at other stuff. Like, Casey just posted a video of, like, NAU big game this week, and they've got a hype-up video already out on Tuesday. We still don't have any kind of hype video for the season. I haven't seen the stadium intro. Throw some stuff on YouTube. It's super easy. You can pay me, like, minimum wage. I'll do it for you in my spare time, and I barely have any of that. So I, I'm like – I'm just perplexed by how like lack uh, thereof of social media there is. I mean Kyler points out there's a billion GIFs of Swoop the Eagle. You can't even find one of Joe Vandal. I, had ma- I made the most popular Vandal GIF, and I did it like in
0: 2016 when I didn't even know what I was doing. And it's sad. I mean we have a broadcasting school and a business school Yeah, marketing. we have a great well, – <laughs> as a marketing <laughs> major, I mean, it's yeah. a great
2: school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stuff pisses me off and noon kickoffs. I hate noon kickoffs. Like, what? A, I got to get to the club by 9 to get my hey. Bloody Mary in, but then I only have three hours to get to the parking lot to tailgate before
0: a kickoff. That might be a Root Sports schedule, though. It, it, might, be. it might be, but there's also
2: two other Big Sky games with noon kickoffs. Mm-hmm. And the game at Eastern last year, which was Root Sports, was a noon kickoff, which I hated because by the time I got out of Spokane in the Cheney, it was like we went to a bar, and I'm like, oh, gosh, kickoff is in 30 <laughs> minutes, and we had to practically sprint into the game as the teams were running out. So... Um, I I don't like noon kickoffs. I think 2 p.m. is a perfect kickoff time. Uh, But those are my cornerstool takes. I'll throw one in for the game. Cottrell Haywood finally puts a stamp on the season. He's kind of – I mean, we talked about at the beginning of the year, Jeff Cotton and Cottrell Haywood being the best duo possibly in the big sky – Right now it just looks like Jeff Cotton might be the best guy in the big sky because Cottrell Haywood's kind of just – He's just 20 yards out of Mason's reach. Yeah, that's probably – he runs too fast. Um, But so hopefully I hope he kind of comes back into life because I really enjoy watching uh, Cottrell play. Uh, Hashtag T A T C Can I throw in one quick 10-second hot take? Yep, 10 seconds. Go.
3: If Paul Petrino has any faith in Colton Richardson, please redshirt him this year.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. You're right. He, we haven't used him. And if desperate situations happen, he gets hurt later, put him in. I like that. Good good looking out. Um, that was a really good one. Mm-hmm. I might need to remember that and put it in the beginning. Um, <laughs> hashtag AskTATC. Martin, at Hemi underscore 71, hashtag AskTATC. Do you have any game day traditions that you do? Uh, I know I do, and I – it's pretty obvious. I always – and I just kind of talked about it with noon kickoffs. I enjoy going to the corner club, usually getting a Bloody Mary, and then getting myself – and I'm not a big actual tub guy. Sorry to ruin it if anyone out there thoughts that everybody at tubs at the club loves tubs. I'm a a, a Montucky bottle fan. I know they don't have those. I, I like a certain beer out of a bottle when I go there because I can put my thumb over it so it doesn't spill when you get bumped into but I like to get that. Then I get my little stamp on my hand, and I love taking the fun bus to the Kibby Dome, um, and then hanging out with a couple alumni from our fraternity uh, that still go to just about every game and have a really fun tailgate. So those are my kind of game day traditions, uh, and then obviously singing the fight song when Martin, you, and your crew roll around all throughout the parking lot and chug beers out of tubas and stuff.
0: TJ, yeah, one thing uh, which is surprising we haven't talked about something that I do, um, and. Chris probably could tell some stories if you wanted to sit down and listen to it. Um, I'm a big Juju and Jinx guy. So what you're wearing that the Vandals have won last time, um, where you're sitting, what you ate before the game is all is what matters to me. So I believe before we played Central, um, lucky for me, I had Hot Wings and another delicious beer of a six-pack and drank all of that. So... Whatever works to get a win for the Vandals, that's what I stick with for the rest of the year and hopefully not jinx it moving forward.
2: Brian, let's hear yours and then we'll hear what what the Eagles do.
3: So before I leave, I have to make sure whatever Vandal shirt I'm wearing is the one that highlights my upper body muscles the best. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. There's There's about nine shirts I cycle through. Which means when I drive down from Coeur d'Alene, you can't actually wear that shirt while you're driving because you don't want to pit out before the game's even started. True. Um, But then after that, I meet up with a bunch of people I used to work with when i back in a past life when I was a teacher in Lewiston. Uh, You know, I always do the pregame thing with them. Um, And then this might be – this is kind of a tradition, kind of not, uh, because I've lived in a few different places in the Northwest – I have a lot of different groups that I meet up with, but, like, they aren't necessarily friends with each other. So I definitely run back and forth down that concourse, shifting seats all game.
2: That Well, good thing this week they'll have a nice, uh, officially unofficial Tubs at the Club tailgate they can come attend and see you at. That is uh,
3: absolutely correct. Right,
2: uh, Kyler, what do Eagles fans, or at least you as an Eagles fan, like to do, um, I guess, at home games and while you're at it, away
1: games if there is one? So, so I have, since I've moved around a lot in the country, you know, I've had my traditions from when I was a student and in my traditions now, when I was a student, this is what we do prior to every single game. We would go buy a keg at 8. AM every single game day, we would crack it and each one of us would do a keg stand and half of us would paint our chest, you know, to Eastern Washington or Eagles. Um, even we did that in the Villanova playoff game. If you do YouTube, Eastern Washington versus Villanova. You'll see it was 10 degrees, and you'll see um, three idiots with chest paint. One of them is me. Um, But that's what we used to do, and we used to even bring the keg to the tailgate. Now, since I'm older and more experienced, now, you know, half the games I'm watching by myself because my wife's working on Saturdays, but I'll still always take a fireball shot at Mm. kickoff, even though I hate fireball. It's just that's what we did at Eastern – That's what I'm going to continue to do. That's what we did in Frisco. I will just take a fireball shot before every single game.
2: Yeah, fireball. That's a, uh, if we're going game day traditions, Vandal lacrosse games out there. Ooh, those are the great, you kept it in the bag. (laughs) Uh, I like that though. That's good. And now, so pretty much what you're saying is you used to um, bring a keg to the tailgate. Now you bring the tailgate to the
1: keg. So we, we were on TV one time for an Eastern Washington, you know, Montana game. And we were bringing our kegs every single time in the back of a truck. And finally, after one game, and it was like our senior year, they were like, hey, man, you guys can't bring that anymore. Or you at least got to put a tarp over it. We can't have these, you know, open kegs out on TV. It makes us look bad. And uh, so now we just, you know, put a cover over it. That's but that's about it. Yeah, we'll still bring a keg to the game day if we're there.
2: Yeah, that was like, uh, what was it, two or three years ago and. When... Idaho, the state of Idaho, um, because I don't know how much people, everybody on here knows, there's a little bit more influence of a certain type down south, mostly southeast, uh, and they wanted alcohol to be banned from all uh, campuses, and that made the Kibbe Dome parking lot dry, along with Boise State's and everything, and the Moscow police pretty much said, if you have it not in an open alcohol container, uh, we're not going to say anything to you about it, so... Apple juice I, I, written on your keg cups is the way to go. And then that lasted for one year. And then everybody was back to where it is. Just no glass bottles.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty much what it is even at Eastern now still just no glass bottles and you're good.
2: Yeah. Um. All right. Bringing it on to Ooh, speaking of glass bottles, it's time for us to get iced. Kyler Neal, you can ask us any question you want. It can be football related. It can be Vanderbilt related. It can be life related. and uh, We have to answer it.
1: Okay. So, I will say um, then Eastern Washington approved the funds – or not the funds. We approved the plans for a new stadium upgrade. I'm sure all of you guys have seen it. What are your initial thoughts? What are the hits and misses of New Field, if that's what it's going to be called? I want TJ to start because I don't know if he's seen it.
0: No, I, I have, and I'm honestly amazed. And it, I know – I don't know if it – has been a long time coming. I know that everyone's excited for it, but I think it's perfect. Eastern fully deserves it. The the Inferno deserves it, and that'll be really cool to go watch a game there. Watch the Red Scare there. Brian,
2: you'll have a real in-depth analysis on this. I want to hear what you think.
3: Okay, the biggest win is the track is gone, which is great news. Um, The second biggest win is that the visitor side will no longer look – like an eight-man football field set of bleachers. <laughs> um, the, I
1: can't even fault you. It's it's our wayside is worse than my high school football stadium. I, I won't fault you on that.
3: So if people haven't seen it right now, what what Ruth's Field is is you have um, on one long end you have the grandstand which looks nice, and you have some you have behind one end zone you have some other set, sets of seats that look fine, and then opposite the grandstand it's seriously just these shitty bleachers, and then if you guys need to, you wheel in. I sat on these one time at an Eastern Montana game. They wheel in like wood temporary bleachers if they need extra seats.
1: Yeah, we call them the death seats.
3: Yeah, I bought one of those tickets. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely bought one of those tickets. Uh, what the new field will be is, now the downside is you guys do lose those seats behind one of the end zones, uh, but you make up for those seats by the visitor side being much better looking. And you know overall, aesthetically, it's a big improvement. The seeding totals 8,600 and change, I believe. Um, I know you wish the number were bigger, but that's just a budget reality. Although um, Vandal fans who are dreaming of a new FBS conference with Eastern involved, uh, their seeding is going to move to 8,600. So that hypothetical, is, which is not close to reality, is even further from reality. Um, but oh. yeah, overall, I like it.
1: I'll I'll reply to you after I hear Chris's real quick.
2: Yeah,
3: so what I – I guess I'll hit what I love
2: about it, uh, what I want to see about it, and what I hate about it. Um, Nailed it. Track gone. Tracks are so outdated. Um, Most schools have gone rid of theirs a long time ago, or like us, we just put our field over it because our facility is (laughs) one of a kind. We'll call it that way. Good to see that. I mean, the whole thing needed a little bit of updating. The whole, like, loge seating where it's not just, like – a press box, which is how I feel like yours is now, is your premium seating was just kind of you kind of get a spot in the press box. Um, where now it's actually more of that lounge suite feel, it looks like, so that would be nice. Um, improving the awayside bleachers, those were well, like you said, I honestly think Eagle High School and Rocky Mountain High School in Boise back in the late two, 2010s had, a, or what you call it, late 2000s, had better. State uh, bleachers For away teams even not even the home Team bleachers so I'm glad to See that being improved what I want To see and what I kind of hope they have and I'm sure they do because I think Lynn Hickey is probably one of the best athletic Directors is something I've said this for us too. when Montana State's done I want A 20-year plan I want to see how they said Here's this is phase one We're funding for phase one right Now phase two is This phase three is this and here's Our timetables that we want done 30 years out um, because I know the goal is that stadium is built to eventually be closed into a horseshoe um, and then hopefully eventually I'm guessing something like Weber or Montana State and have kind of an athletic house or football offices or kind of exactly like what Boise State has something down there that that can close off that other bit of the end zone but this stadium is more of a foundation to grow upon but I want to see what the plan is for that to grow upon the things I absolutely think were a huge miss when I saw both Eastern and Idaho have to walk through the parking lot, I believe over a grass hill to get into the locker rooms, but looked like the basketball facility, probably another 150, 200 yards away from the stadium. That's so Bush league. It was so incredible to me that that still exists in division one football. Um, so that I really wish they would have put game day locker rooms at least in the, in the stadium. Um, because I thought that was really weird and honestly kind of dangerous that players are just out in the parking lot. If a game was ever rowdy or it's Montana playing or, you know, hopefully Idaho someday, the fact that fans can maybe, um, with a little bit more covertness being in a parking lot. Um, Dab them. Do, yeah. Or throw something at them or I don't know. <laughs> um, trip Paul Petrino, something. Um, I That part I don't like. I think for game day, they should have game day locker rooms in the stadium, which is something they'll probably have the ability to build into now. That they actually have like yeah. a, a, like a girth of the of the stadium Um, yeah and yeah I want you can finish your point
1: no no so I agree with everything you guys said I I, definitely the biggest hits are you know the suites now that even they have eagle suites it's kind of like wings that come out the track was an eyesore I'm glad they're moving that the wayside was an eyesore I'm glad that's looking to be fixed my guess is once we have the actual we're selling out the stadium as in terms of we're selling 10,000 tickets a game on a majority of our games but that's not butts and seats what lynn hickey said is once we're actually turning away people we can easily close off that bowl for really cheap it'd be like three million dollars and then if we add just a couple million more it looks like we could have some you know potential locker rooms under one of the end zones but i love the ability that they they left the end zones both sides open with the the ease to close them if we ever do get the opportunity to bring more fans like Brian you were saying potentially FBS conference one day if we ever get the fan base to have 15,000 you know fans in the stadium there is the demand or once there's a demand it's very feasible to close it off for pretty cheap so that's that's the good news um I'm just glad we're finally not going to have the worst stadium in the FCS or at least the big sky
3: <laughs> Dude, there's another piece of good news you didn't hit and I didn't hit either you guys made the brilliant choice to keep the red field, which I know people bitch about it, but that, that red field has the inferno has been brilliant marketing for It's
1: It's yeah. We'll never change that. I know a lot of people hate it. We love it. And honestly, it's, it's a marketable thing. Like you just said, we, we will never get rid of it. Sorry, Idaho fans. Hey, Idaho
2: is going to get black turf here soon. We're really going to bring a new definition to blacking out the dome. You just wait. I see. would love that. Actually. I think <laughs> black
1: turf would look sick. That's what I really want. Black turf with red end zones. Yeah. But I'll settle <laughs> I, with
2: red. I think in gold end zones with the white lines, but uh, another whole cornerstool take, I'll save that <laughs> one for a different date. Um, I will actually say, I will be willing to say this. If, um, I know you, on your podcast, you were telling people to donate even if it's as little as $5. I will actually, because I want Eastern to be good and I believe in this rivalry being a thing, I will donate the score differential um, of Eastern beating Idaho. And if Idaho actually pulls off this win to help smooth that over for you, I'll donate $100 to your guys' stadium project. So whoever right, that well, was you that know
1: what? called me out on Facebook, uh, there you go. Hey, Chris, if, if Idaho wins, I will donate $200 but I'll match your score difference. Deal. Even though I already donated 400 for the, you know, thing and I and I have a monthly plan set up too, so I'm going to be in debt. My wife's going to hate me. She's probably going to leave me, but Hey, Eastern Washington's going to get a better stadium. Hey, the ICCU arena could use a little <laughs> donating too. I'm the, just saying. The good
3: news is if your wife listens to this podcast, she'll learn
0: about that.
1: Yeah. yeah and why it's I, worth the, I investment. am not telling her about this podcast. Since said she works
0: on Saturday. She wouldn't know the score.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: Anyways, moving
2: into the big sky up so TJ can hear about how his hot take or corner stool take is going to fall apart immediately. Mm-mm. Although ironically, uh, Brian, Chris, Brian. I'm speaking of myself in third person. Myself, Brian, and TJ actually all tied at ten and two last week. Uh, I will say asterisk because I refused to pick Boise State, and so obviously um, I probably would have gone eleven and one, but I didn't, and that was a choice I made. So I went ten and two. Everybody else did as well. That brings the to total standings. TJ still in last place at thirty-one and, and five. Brian and I are still tied at thirty-three and three. Uh, we are going to have Kyler pick him with us since he is a uh, very you know useful source for FCS knowledge, especially Big Sky knowledge. Um, and we might tell you how we did next week, but he obviously won't be adding it to the total standings here. Um, we're starting off with Monmouth versus number 15 Montana. TJ, you are in last place, so you start, and then we'll go Brian, myself, and we'll have
0: Kyler. End. Yeah, we caught the end of this Mammoth uh, versus UAlbany game. We did on Saturday. Great made it a thing, which was which was actually fun to watch. Um, but I'm going to stick with the Big Sky and go with the Grizz.
3: Montana's going to pick up their third Division One win in non-conference play. They're going to be the tie. They're going to be one of the best-positioned Big Sky teams to make the playoffs at large. Montana rolls.
1: Yeah, yeah Mon-
0: oh,
2: yeah. Oh, obviously. is it my turn or yours? Yeah, I'm going to go first. Or you know, before you, we'll have you close us out as a guest. Yeah, outsiders last. Yeah, <laughs> my bad, my bad.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Monmouth is, I think, a possible trap game for Montana, since most people don't think to realize that they're actually pretty good. Um, but uh, I do think Montana at Waugers is a little difficult for a team from
1: uh, the the Jersey area to pull off. So I'm taking the Grizz. <laughs> yeah, Monmouth was really good a couple of years ago. And in the playoffs when they finally met a big three-team, as we like to say, Big Sky, Missouri Valley, CA, they got beat by 50 points. So that's basically saying Monmouth is equivalent to our northern Colorado-ish. If Montana doesn't win, we're kicking Montana out. Montana pretty easily.
2: <laughs> I like that. Uh, Norfolk North State versus Montana State. Norfolk State, arguably the worst scheduled out-of-conference team, if you read my FCS Coffer's article on FCS Fans Nation, um, but they're playing at number 13, Montana State. TJ, who are you taking? I'll stick
0: with your article and go with MSU.
3: Montana State, um, they're also going to be the second big sky team to pick up three out of conference division. One wins. They're going to be the best position team for a not for an at-large playoff bid. Uh, Montana State wins, but um, you do need to watch their quarterback. Casey Bauman's looked pretty bad so far this year.
2: Uh, I'm going Bobcats roll. They won't even need Bauman in this one. They might as well just start Rovig. Uh, South Dakota versus North. Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't want me to pick?
1: Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Norfolk State has yet to give up a passing TD, and they may continue this trend against Montana State, whose offense is still struggling. The good news is Montana State does not need a passing TD to beat Norfolk. Norfolk is one of the, what, 20 bottom teams in the FCS. Montana State rolls. Yep.
0: South Dakota, the Coyotes, playing Northern Colorado and Greeley. Uh, yeah, I think I think South Dakota has been under a lot of flack for the losses they had this year, but I still think they're better than Northern Colorado. I'm going to go with South Dakota.
3: DJ's right, because anybody is better than North Col- Northern Colorado oh. right now. Northern Colorado just got rolled 50-0 to zero, um, at Sac State. South Dakota wins.
2: I really want to pick Northern Colorado, because I don't think they're that bad, but Jacob Nip is a shell of himself. South Dakota.
1: Um, well, you said Jacob Nipp. He actually got injured last game. It doesn't look like he's going to play this game. This is going to be a game for who's the worst in the big three conferences, and unfortunately it's going to be Northern Colorado is the worst. South Dakota wins.
2: All right. Uh, the pesky Bengals down in Pocatello
0: go to number 12, Northern Iowa. I'm picking Northern Iowa over I screwed up ISU.
3: Northern Iowa, that was a good one TJ Northern Iowa wins It's Vandal, A point for Vandal fans to watch Is uh, Gunnar Amos, and Idaho transfer Might get some playing time there Because Idaho State starter Matt Strzok uh, Missed almost all their last game After a pretty hard hit Idaho State gets killed, Northern Iowa rolls
2: Yeah, the the 13th best quarterback In the conference, Gunner Amos um, Will not be able to do anything Against Northern Iowa Northern Iowa rolls
1: Northern Iowa consistently goes one in one with the big sky every single year as they typically play two teams. They just rolled Southern Utah, um, I think what, week two. My guess is yeah, they're still gonna roll <laughs> Idaho State. I don't have any faith in that team. Northern Iowa still wins.
2: Uh Eastern Oregon, who is less than a D one program. I don't know where they are in the rest of NAIA. The- N-A-I-A. They are NAIA, yeah. so they're
0: oh boy. First Portland State. Well, Yeah, it's great scheduling by Portland State to have them and Simon Fraser in the same year. I'm going to go with Portland State.
3: Portland State, interesting thing to watch. I drafted two of their guys on my big sky, big takes fantasy team. But that's the only interesting part of this game, Portland State Mm -hmm.
2: wins. (laughs) Uh, I also agree, Vikings for sure. And that stupid Boise State fan with the Vikings are just Mm -hmm. vandals with boats. God, read a book. I thought that was cute. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Freshman year, we had a kid from Eastern Oregon who was a starter on that football team. He tried to transfer to Eastern Washington as a walk-on. He did not even come close to making the team. Portland State's going to roll Eastern Oregon. Uh, Southern Utah
2: traveling to number two, South Dakota State. Jack Rabbits.
3: Yeah, South Dakota State State wins. South Dakota. So, so, Southern Utah should feel pretty good. They had a big win against Stephen F. Austin in like the, the number two pillow fight of the year. Number <laughs> one is going to be November 4th, I believe, Idaho State versus North Colorado. Uh, but right now, South Dakota State wins us.
1: Yeah, rabbits. Yeah, South Dakota State's battling some injuries with their quarterback. Their new quarterback does not look very good. That being said, Southern Utah as a whole does not look good. South Dakota will roll them.
2: Uh, The Hornets of Sacramento State, and uh, what I'm assuming is a bit of a rival ish type of game going to FBS Fresno State. There's not a lot of ground between those two.
0: Um, I hope they don't, Fresno State does not do what they did to Idaho last year to Sac State. <laughs> um, I'm sticking with Fresno State in this game for the win.
3: Sac State's looked real good so far. Fresno State's going to win.
2: Yeah, I still have yet to, I believe, pick an FCS team to beat an FBS team this year. I'm saving it for one that's possible. This one's not.
1: Yeah, I like Troy Taylor a lot. He's the reason why Gage Gubrood became the stud he was. Um, unfortunately, Fresno is going to beat Sacramento State pretty bad.
2: All right, which takes us into the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Woot woot. Uh, I did add Kyler into the where we, where he did last week and where he would be in our standings if he was a Vandal competing for that tub of tub tokens. So the week three results, uh, I had five points, which was not good. Um, but Kyler did have four. Not a good week for you. Uh, I think we nope. all kind of got beat on the Jacksonville State game, um, which TJ ironically picked on here differently than he did in FCS Fans Nation. Uh, but he did get six points. So, TJ, you did win last week. Um, so you'll get a pick last this week. Um, and then Brian, uh, we don't have a score calculated for you. Uh, week four standings. Um, Mitch Hopkins and TJ Hopkins are tied at 24. Uh, Kyler would be in that nice comfy second uh, place with a 23. Uh, that does though so put me in third place with 20. Connor Lindstrom is hot on my heels with 18, and Jamie Hill made a big stride forward last week and picked up some points to get to 16. So um, everybody's within eight points, so that's pretty exciting. You can easily make that in one week. All right, so week four, we're going Brian, then Kyler, then Chris, then TJ and Picks. Uh,
3: Duquesne versus Dayton. I'm going Duquesne.
1: Yeah, I'm the picker of all these, and I know you guys have trolled my picks a lot recently. <laughs> I guess Warren's what, Chris? Them. <laughs> you didn't do very good last week. and That's because my picks were legit. Um, du- Duquesne's gonna roll Dayton. Uh, I did do better than you, though. I also think Duquesne's
2: gonna be Dayton,
0: though. Ooh, follow the leader. Dayton Flyers coming in this week. Let's go. Uh, this one was—I'm not gonna lie. This one was really tough to
2: pick. And TJ did say before we started this, this was his. He thought this was the hardest week so far. Uh, my Rhode Island Rams, which are one of my top five FCS teams that aren't the Idaho Vandals um, in terms of who I root for, is playing New Hampshire, um, who's usually a playoff contender.
3: Man, this is tough. These are Sagarin has these guys. It's pretty damn close to even. I'm going to go with the alphabetical New Hampshire.
1: <laughs> I love alphabetical yeah, picks. This is the battle of the zero-win teams that I like to throw in there sometimes um new hampshire actually has a lot of losses to their starters i'm going with rhode island on the on the road all right i
2: am actually going with new hampshire although i really want rhode island to win
0: i think uh, as both winless teams i think rhode island's played a lot tougher teams and has zero wins and i think they're a better team um they should have been a better team with some of those wins i'm gonna go with rhode island uh, I actually would have thought that this would be game of the
2: week. So we may have like two awesome. We always have awesome games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but UC Davis number four is going to number one North Dakota State in Fargo.
3: UC Davis has had a couple disappointing games this year. Um, they're still good, of course, but they're not going to beat North Dakota State. So go Bison.
1: Yeah, if you just look at rankings, this does look like the game of the week, but. From what I've seen with North Dakota State, and from what I've seen with UC Davis, I actually do not think this is going to be a very close game compared to the rest on the schedule. I think North Dakota State is going to beat down them pretty bad. Uh, Dan
2: Hawkins, I still think is the best coach in the FCS, so I'm going to put my faith in him right now. And I actually am taking UC Davis. I might actually either seal my fate in this pick 'em challenge, or I'll because go, I'm going for the total ship. This is a pick you got to make to
0: hopefully all those NDSUers miss and you can get some points, so I'm taking the Aggies. I think the Bison lose to the Big Sky later in this year, and I'm going with NDSU this week. I like the the forced
2: um, anticipation. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Incarnate Word versus Sam Houston
3: State. Sam Houston State. I mean, we saw a peak Incarnate Word last year, and they got killed by Montana State in the playoffs. Yeah, take Sam Houston.
1: Yes, Sam Houston State is just coming off kind of an ugly loss to northern you know North Dakota again. um I just don't think Sam Houston State's going to lose twice in a row, especially the Incarnate word. I do think it will be close though, but I will go Sam Houston State. yeah, I'm going bearcats mm-hmm.
0: I dub on the other side all right <laughs> uh, the lumberjacks of Northern
2: Arizona also have a tough game against number twenty five Illinois State
3: oh, man that's a tough one for me i I saw Northern Arizona play a little bit. Their offense looks good. Uh, this is a little bit of an upset. I'll take Northern Arizona.
1: Yeah, like I really don't believe the pick that I'm going to do, and it's opposite from the one that I submitted. But I, these are two teams in the past years that have been hit and miss. We don't know which teams are going to show up. I'm actually going to go with Northern Arizona on this one. We'll see. Yeah,
0: I'm taking the Lumberjacks as well. Um, Lumberjacks against the other ISU. Uh Lamar versus Southeastern
2: Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana,
3: Cela. So, yeah. I'm going to rely on my Sagarin rankings research and go with with Cela, Southeast Louisiana.
1: I let me double check. I might have actually sent the wrong one. Let me let me double check. I don't know if it was um supposed to be Cela or they play, they play Sela this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking Simo. I was like, crap, yeah, I did the wrong one. I'm actually going to pick Lamar on this one. Uh,
2: I'm going to take Sela for whatever reason. I mean, they beat Jacksonville State, and everyone thought that
0: was because Jacksonville sucked, but they proved they're pretty good. So apparently, maybe it's time to take them seriously. For some reason, these southeastern schools tend to hurt me in, in these Pick'Em Challenge, but I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to go with Sela
2: uh next up we have Alabama a m versus Sanford
3: Sanford
1: Yeah I'm actually going Alabama a m sanford looks awful since Devlin Hodges left uh I think Alabama am looks really bad too but this is gonna be a pick them who knows but I'll, I'll take Alabama a m yeah
2: I really wanted to take a m but uh, I'm going Sanford I'll take the proven commodities
0: I'm going a am at home all right. That takes us to game of the week,
2: number 11, Villanova, who I believe took it to Sanford week zero, right? That was that matchup. Um, They took it to Colgate. Colgate, that's right. And then Sanford played Youngstown. Um, Number 11, Villanova versus number three, Towson and the Little Flacco.
3: I am going to go with Towson. Towson's the, again, Sagan rankings. Number 101. That puts them above Georgia Southern of the Sun Belt, who Idaho Vandals will know. Towson.
1: Towson, as of today, lost their number one weapon for a season-ending injury. He is their best playmaker. I'm actually going to go three and zero Villanova with the upset.
2: Little Flacco got hurt.
1: <laughs> no, no, his his number one playmaker I... that he throws to. It's their number one athlete. If you look at like the total stats from the NCA stats page, he is listed as the number one athlete playmaker.
2: Yeah. See, my point being, as long as they have Little Flacco, Towson rules. I love
0: Little Flacco. Um, I All just right. yeah, I think Towson's had just such. It's their year. I'm like, yeah, it. big wins this year. Obviously, we're hopefully we don't eat dirt I'm picking this. I'm going to go with Towson They're like well.
2: the Eastern of last year. They're just like slowly keep improving, improving, and then. That's
0: where you need um, a soundboard. Ooh. Ooh. We're working on that.
2: Um, but, yeah, uh, I want to usually ask what FCS game are you watching this week, but I feel like it's, it's the, the yet-to-be-named rivalry. If We've had some points made on why it, some of the names preferred are bad. But the old Governor's Cup. Um, But any other games anyone's keeping an eye on this
1: weekend other than Eastern Idaho? No, I'm only paying attention to the best FCS rivalry west of the Rockies. That is the hashtag Red Scare, hashtag Cold War, hashtag Harvest Cup, hashtag we don't have a freaking name yet.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love how you said that because that might actually sadly
1: be true. West of the Rockies.
0: That way too. uh, Idaho, Idaho State. That's
2: a good one. We need to use that. Uh, uh. Yeah, I'm just watching that game. Otherwise, I'm I'm out this week. I'm, I'm tailgating and everything like that. So I'll just be watching this one.
3: Yeah, I'm tailgating, but I'm I'm paying attention to the Montana schools. I just I think it's gonna be interesting the way the Big Sky has seriously seven teams. And that's Montana, Montana State, Eastern, UC Davis, Weber, Northern Arizona, and Sac, Sac State. All of them likely feel they should be playoff teams at this point. Um, but Montana, Montana state are going to enter a conference play with three wins each. Likely none of the others are going to have that. Eastern's going to have at best one D one win. Weaver's going to have one D one win. It's going to make the conference season. So, so damn interesting week to week.
0: And you're always checking on your guy, Chris, Dan Hawkins. You gotta be watching out for that. This That's week. true. Actually. Yeah. Who am I kidding? We got UC
2: Davis and DSU Villanova Towson. Mm-hmm. And we were we we're trying to get a TV at the tailgate.
0: So we'll, we'll be, I put the clubs got games. Um, after you, sir. Yes. Get your wet, wet naps out. It is time for TJ's Wing Corner, and uh, we got a special Wing Corner this week because we will be in Moscow. Don't squint too much because you love this segment, Chris. Um, Chris and I will be eating wings at the Ale House on Friday, and <clears throat> if it's okay with you, I'd like to ask if we could put up a poll of how many wings TJ will eat in one sitting. Sold. I love it. Yep. Thank you, Kyler. <laughs> awesome. So if you go to the alehouse, uh, there's options for wings. Brian, don't comment yet. You, you, you you'll, Yours are for after. Um, so you can get one pound, two and a half pounds, or five pounds. I like to split the two and a half pounds. That's what Chris and I will be sitting down to eat on Friday evening before Moscow versus Pullman High. Um, I make them naked. No sauce on them. Um, Is that just like a chicken nugget? No, that's a, that's a chicken wing that's bone-in. Thank you very much. Uh, I, there's sauces one, two, three, and five, five. If you're daring, (laughs) that's four, Four there's no option. Um, five (laughs) is the hottest. So I usually do five, two and huckleberry barbecue is what I go for. Um, any wings dipped in those sauces are amazing. Um, I usually get them extra crispy, but there's a great crisp to them bone in, but yes, that'll be TJ's wing corner uh for this week because you'll see me Ale alehouse and i think i can put down 20
2: i'll keep track maybe
0: we'll do i don't go? know
2: facebook i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we're not gonna do anything uh all right it's your segment now what
0: Um. thank you hopefully i can need a ring with brian this weekend okay mm-hmm. uh perfect wing wings for the tubs of
2: the club team, which brings us to dun, 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 closing the bar on this long podcast, but rather entertaining. It's always fun when we have Kyler on. Um, speaking of that. Kyler, let the people out there know wh- what you got going on in your life and how they can find you. Cause you have a lot going on.
1: Yeah, I am. Uh, I run FCS fans nation. If you guys didn't know that already. Um, but I also am a part of the big sky podcast network with the Eagles hour. Um, then, also, it seems like every other Tuesday I'll be kind of on some ESPN radio shows on local FCS markets, which is kind of cool. You know, we're going to do a pick-and-breakthrough. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Eagles Hour. That is the easiest way, or, you know, probably Kyler underscore Neil. I actually don't know what my Twitter is. It's something like that. But you can find me. Just go look at Tubs of the Club, and you'll see some idiot named Kyler Neil trolling them somehow, so –
0: yeah, usually. Uh, TJ, what do you got going on in your life? You will see me this weekend in Moscow That's if you're true. up there. That's true. Um, it, hopefully I get a couple, hey, are you that guy from Tubs of the Club? Um, but It doesn't happen. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, uh, I look, look for us <laughs> <look a, laughs> under the Montucky flag tailgating. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, which we do have, um, which I'll cover here in a second. But, uh, Brian, what do you got going on?
3: Working on the Big Sky uh, newsletter for Montana-Mint.com, and as always, the power rankings we have published on TubstheClub.com every Monday, provided we can get them out, which we have so far. Otherwise, find me on Twitter at Brian Marceau, that's M-A-R-C-E-A-U.
2: Yeah, uh, and then what I got going on in my life, uh, like we said, we're planning a big tailgate for you guys. Uh, We're going to be in the Upper Law lot, hopefully pending we can get a spot there because it's first come, first serve VSF Lot 3. Um, but we're gonna try to get out we've got a 25 foot montucky 20 foot high three by five montucky cold snacks flag um, we'll be wearing probably some of our montucky swag so come say hi um, we're gonna have some beers we can hang out but obviously we prefer everyone bring a little bit of their own we'll be cooking we got cornhole um, we've got some former athletes that will be there so there'll be some people you guys can meet um yeah but it should be fun stop by if you got nothing else to do that's what we'll be doing also uh As we were recording this podcast, Sean Kramer published my article about how Idaho and Eastern has all the right combustible components to become one of the greatest rivalries in the FCS. So tubsatheclub.com, go look for Eastern Washington rivalry, maybe a diamond in the rough. I believe that's what the name of the article was. If not, it'll be at at club and probably a bunch of other places. And that Kyler Neal guy will probably tweet something about it. Um, make sure you follow us at Big Sky Podcast because, as Kyler touched on, we're also a part of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Make sure you get all of our um, developments that happen throughout the season uh, and any content that's provided by the Big Sky Podcast Network. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Next week we have the Northern Colorado Bears who hopefully uh, are going to be as lowly as we're expecting them to be. And hopefully, uh, FCS fans nation will be nothing but cr- cricket chums on Sunday. Alright, time for the best band in all the land, the Sound of Ido, to play us out.
0: Go Vandals! Go Vandals! Go Vandals! Go
1: Leaves!